Episode 48. This year, Tiger Woods turns 48 years old. 1948 was the year of the assassination of the one and only Mahatma Gandhi, and the NHS, the National Health Service, which is the publicly funded arm of the UK's healthcare system, was also born on July 5th, 1948. Beyond MD, episode 48, here we go! Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining me on my fourth ever solo episode. Today I will begin to talk about the many financial mistakes that I've made, and the truth is I have made so many mistakes that it will take at least two episodes to cover. And there are days when I wish I could go back in time and kick my own ass, but the truth is we all make mistakes and the goal is to learn from these. So at the very least, I hope that people who listen will be more prepared than I was, and I also hope to pass these lessons on to my boys so that they will be more prepared than me. Just so we're clear, there's no specific order or severity to these mistakes, but I do think they're all worth learning about. So let's jump right into it. Mistake number one, not starting early enough. In 2010, I started my radiology residency at Queen's University, and one day I was walking to the hospital, I got a phone call from my mom. She called me and she said, Yathan, they just created the tax-free savings account and you should open one. She took the time to explain to me what this was, and I took it upon myself to open up the account. The thing is, I had no understanding that this in fact was a vehicle into which you could put different investments like stocks, and I also had no understanding of the power of compounding over time. So I opened up the tax-free savings account, I left it at the bank, it collected a pretty low rate of interest. So what's the mistake here? So had I used a tax-free savings account properly, so somebody starting one today for the first time has about $88,000 of contribution room. So if I spread that out over the 15 years of the TFSA's existence, I would have been contributing about $5,866 per year. Compound that at 6.5% over 15 years. Had I done that, my tax-free savings account would have $156,000 today. Unfortunately, it's well shy of that. Now, in my defense, what I have done over time is I have used a tax-free savings account occasionally as an investment account over the more intermediate time frame. So the money has grown in it, but I've had to withdraw money from it for various reasons. Some of it is real estate investing. But the right thing to do is to treat this as a long-term investment vehicle and grow your money over time. So let's take this lesson about starting early and using a long timeline to grow your investments. So I recently had the pleasure of presenting this information to a few physician groups at Queen's University. And I gave an example of a resident who was somehow able to set aside $500 a month, so that's $6,000 a year, and start investing that at age 25. Let's say that amount of money is invested every year, over 40 years, and it grows at an average rate of 6.5% a year. So if you use just $6,000 and you start at age 25, well, you're left with a nest egg of $1.13 million. Small actions go a long way over time. Now, let's say that somebody wasn't able to start at age 25, and instead they said, I'm too busy for this, and they waited an extra 10 years. So let's say this physician, and for simplicity, let's use $6,000 a year invested starting at age 35, compounding now only for 30 years at 6.5% a year, well, then that future nest egg is so much smaller at $558,000. So these examples 
and my failure to start early enough and properly utilize a TFSA bring home one really important lesson, and that is that your timeline is the single greatest advantage that you can give yourself in investing, so please do whatever you can to give yourself that head start. Mistake number two, chaos at the car rental. So this was the year when my wife Seema and I decided that we were going to make a more conscious effort to travel the world and live our best lives today and also create some amazing experiences with our kids. And I must say that part of this thinking was influenced by my interview with Dr. Matt Pointer, most popular episode to date, episode 44. If you haven't listened to it already, Matt has some amazing words of wisdom. So our first trip this year took place in March. We were really lucky to drive down the coast of California, but there was a bit of a headache getting the car. So we landed in San Francisco early March, and I had booked a car reservation. I was really proud of myself, found something, a seven-seater, for about $1,200 for 11 days, including taxes, including car seats. I was feeling really, really good about this. And really interesting flight to San Francisco. We had to stop in Denver to refuel because the plane didn't have enough gas. The winds were so fierce. Anyways, I got to Denver and I decided, let me check in early so I can expedite the car rental process. And I was loading in my information and asked me for my driver's license. I pulled out my driver's license and I saw it had expired. Big lump in my throat, started to panic a little bit. And then I gave Seema a little nudge nudge. I was like, hey, guess what? My license has expired. And she looks at me. And she's just like, yeah, why am I not surprised? Two minutes later, she pulls out her license. She's like, okay, mine's expired as well. We kind of turn, we look to our mother-in-law, my mother-in-law, who's traveling with us here, and I'm like, I'm not going to make her drive. So anyway, Seema manages to renew her license online, gets a temporary license. I do the same, voila, I think everything's amazing, except I forgot to download a copy onto my phone. So I get to the car rental, I give my expired license to uh, the clerk, and it takes her a few minutes to figure out it's expired, and she's like, okay, sir, you got to give me something that's current, and I'm freaking out, I can't find my temporary license. So I ask her, listen, uh, maybe my wife can be the main driver. She's like, uh, except you've prepaid for this already. So when you prepay for a car rental, I didn't know this, but you can't transfer reservations to another name. So I asked the clerk, I was like, listen, what are my options? And she said, you really have no other options. You have to purchase a new reservation here on the spot. So that was that. And it went from $1,200 feeling really good about myself to forking out $5,500 of after-tax money to book a new reservation on the spot. That's almost my entire TFSA contribution for this year. Actually, when you add the $1,200 I already paid, it's more than my TFSA contribution for the year. So really shitty feeling. So what's the lesson here? Please don't be as absent-minded as I was. Be more organized. Renew your driver's license. Keep on top of this stuff. Realize that sometimes when you make a prepayment for a car rental, uh, you can get dinged if you run into an issue like I did, and you can't actually transfer the reservation to another name that easily. Now, one thing I have not done a very good job of so far in my life is utilizing different perks when it comes to traveling, travel rewards, and what I had been using was the MasterCard World Elite card, except it wasn't very good for accumulating points, so I was using it mainly for cash back. And over the last several months, I've come across some really fascinating interviews, and I've done a bit of a deeper dive into 
optimizing travel rewards. So one of the cards that I recently signed up for was the American Express Business Platinum card. Now you don't have to be a business owner. You don't have to be incorporated to use this card. You can use it if you're a sole proprietor as well. But what I found was that this card was in fact one of the fastest way to accumulate travel points. So if you spend $10,000 in the first three months, then you will get 100,000 American Express points, which are converted at a one-to-one ratio to Aeroplan points. So I timed the registration of this card with upcoming expenses like kids' camps over the summer. So I was able to rack up 115,000 points in just over a month, which is amazing. It's our 10-year wedding anniversary, and I know that these will go to good use. So if anyone's wanting to learn more about cards, I will be having an episode uh, in the very near future. And in the meantime, if somebody wants to sign up for this American Express Business Platinum card, amazing, very rapid accumulation of points. And beyond that, you don't have to wait anywhere at Pearson Airport. And there are so many perks to it. I do have a link in the show notes. Now, if you feel like you would truly benefit from this card, which is, in my experience, an amazing card, and you sign up using the link in the show notes, I will end up getting some travel points. But if you feel compelled in any way to support Beyond MD and you think like you would benefit, I would be truly, truly appreciative. All right, mistake number three, the currency conundrum. So in October 2013, I was in my residency at radiology at Queen's University, and that's when I learned that I would be heading to San Diego for my musculoskeletal imaging fellowship, which was going to start in 2015. Lots going on at the time. I was very immersed in studying, getting ready for the exam. We got married in 2013. The year following, I became a dad for the first time. So naturally, I wasn't really thinking that far ahead and realizing that, huh, now would be a really good time to convert some Canadian dollars into US dollars. Well, why? Because things were in favor at the time. So from 2010 until 2013, there were many points when the Canadian dollar was in fact stronger than the US dollar. Price of oil was really high. That would have been a great time to convert. But I didn't really have the foresight to do that. So we waited. And in 2015, by the time we had to head to San Diego, one Canadian dollar was worth far less than one US dollar. In fact, the conversion was $1 US to $1.25 Canadian. So we converted a little bit then. And then as we got to San Diego, life was expensive. And that year we went through easily $100,000 in cash. And in December 2015, halfway through our stint in San Diego, we needed more money. And at that time, the exchange rate was really not in our favor. So a dollar US was almost a dollar 40 Canadian. So by the end of it all, we spent at least $100,000. That ended up converting to only $74,000 US. So by not having the foresight and not being aware, we were down at least $25,000. And to make matters worse, that entire year in San Diego, I was only being paid a stipend of $10,000 for my work as a fellow. I know that sounds crazy, but that's something I knew beforehand, even going to San Diego for my training. I made that decision for life experience, the chance to basically leave our comfort zones, the chance to live in one of the most magnificent pockets in the world and a chance to network and meet some new people. So that part I don't regret, but I think we could have done a bit better being a little bit more aware of the economy, oil prices, exchange rates, and realizing what our scenario would be. And had we done that and done a better job of that, I think we would have been a little bit ahead financially. And we certainly would have been able to live that year in San Diego with a little bit of less financial stress. Mistake number four, RESPs, the Registered Education Savings Plan. 
Oh my goodness, I did not open up an RESP when my kids were born. That's right, I waited. Why? Well, in 2014, when I first became a dad, if you asked me, Yatin, what is an RESP? I would not have been able to tell you, let alone I had no idea that this was a really tax-efficient way to grow money for our kids' education and a way to get free money from our government through the Canada Education Savings Grant. So I ended up opening up a family RESP for both of my boys in 2020. This is the year that I launched the podcast, and ever since I started one, I've been playing a little bit of catch-up, so I've been contributing $5,000 per child per year in the family RESP to ensure that I'm catching up and also maximizing the Canada Education Savings Grant. So let's do a quick 101 on RESPs. So this is a tax-sheltered account. You will invest money in this account in order to grow the money tax-free for your children's education. So you can contribute a maximum of $50,000 per child, and the government will give you a maximum of up to $7,200 per child. Now, there's no annual contribution limit, so you can really front-load the RESP. You can front-load it as much as putting in $50,000 right off the bat. The money will grow tax-free, and then your children will withdraw it when they enroll in a post-secondary education. If they don't enroll in a post-secondary school, then they can transfer up to $50,000 into their RRSP. Now, people will ask questions, well, what's the best way to fund the RESP? Do you front-load it? Or do you put in small amounts each year to maximize the money that you're going to get through the Canada Education Savings Grant? Well, it turns out that Mark Soth, the Looney Doctor, has done some amazing analysis on this. So there's a few ways to kind of go about this based on his work. And I've attached all his articles in the show notes. So if you're not up to date on this, please go ahead and read them. They are phenomenal. So what you can do is in the first year, you can do $14,000 lump sum plus $2,500 per child. And then over the next 13 years, you can deposit $2,500 each of those years, and then $1,000 in the final year. And this is a good strategy for basically getting in a little bit more money into the markets early, allowing a longer timeline for the money to compound and grow. And you're also maximizing the money that you will get through the Canada Education Savings Grant. Or you can do a lump sum. So you can do a bigger amount up to $50,000 in the first year. Now, realizing that most people don't have that kind of cash lying around. But if you do the lump sum, while you're going to give the money more time in the market to compound, you're not going to be maximizing money obtained from the government through the Canada Education Savings Grant. So Mark Soth, in fact, did a bit of analysis here. And he found, to my knowledge, Mark, you can correct us if I'm incorrect here. But the sweet spot is probably somewhere between the $16,500 in year one and $50,000 in year one. So somewhere in between, maybe $25,000 to $30,000. At the end of the day, it will not make or break you. But let me take you through some numbers. So I was late in starting the RESP. So what I'm doing right now is $5,000 per child, $10,000 total per year into our family RESP. So let's say that grows at 6.5% per year for the next 13 years, which is when my oldest is going to be starting university. So then that will result in $218,000 in the family RESP at that point. That's at least $109,000 per child. But what if I had started early? What if I had put in $14,000 plus 2,500 in year one and $2,500 each of the next 13 years? plus $1,000 in the very last year, well, then that would have given me $133,000 per child. So you can see, again, guys, a common theme. Because I started late, I have less time in the markets with that money, and therefore, 
my RESP is going to be a little bit behind. So the lessons here, start early, use the power of a long timeline and make the most of our tax efficient accounts. So our registered accounts, the RESP is an absolute no brainer because you also get money through the Canada Education Savings Grant. Mistake number five, buying a home when our circumstances were uncertain. Listen, I know we're a nation of homeowners. Everyone wants to own a home. I believe there's nothing wrong with rent, but I do own a home because having a home gives me stability. It gives me certainty. But we bought a home in Calgary in my first year of practice when I don't think we should have bought a home because truth is we didn't know how long we were going to be in Calgary. So check out this timeline. September 2016, I make an offer on a house and I say I because Seema was in fact out of town traveling. Now, I have twice in my life bought a property when she's been out of town, once when she didn't even know it. That's another story as well. So September 2016, we put an offer in on a house. Ended up being a bit of a bidding war because there was a nanny suite underneath the detached garage in the backyard. Yes, that sounds amazing. And I think it is amazing. So offer in 2016, accepted. November 2016, we move into the house. December 2016, I see a job ad for North York General Hospital and I applied. January 2017, I interviewed for the job and fortunately got the job. April 2017, we sold the house at a $30,000 profit, wild. And then June 2017, we were moving out of Calgary and off to greener pastures in Ontario, but no, kid you not. I had an absolutely amazing time in Calgary. What a wonderful place to live. What wonderful people I worked with and I learned so, so much. So here's the problem. When you buy and sell quickly in real estate, when you transact that quickly, it's hard to come out on top. So yes, we sold the house for $30,000 more, but remember there are realtor fees and that all went to the realtor. And also we had to maintain the home. There were costs, like our furnace went out the week we moved into the house. We had a leak in the basement. We had a leak in the kitchen. We had property tax to pay. We had mortgage interest to pay. We had home insurance to pay. We had mortgage fees to pay $8,000 to break our fixed rate mortgage. Why the hell we were on a fixed rate mortgage is beyond me. That is for the next episode. So here's the thing. When your outlook is uncertain, you don't know how long you're going to be somewhere. I think this really applies to trainees. I don't really think it necessarily makes sense to buy a home unless if you move and you can carry that home, then maybe it's worth it. But I've talked to so many trainees who are in residency and they tell me they're going across the country for fellowship and then they don't know where they're going to be for staff, but they really wanted to buy a home towards the end of the residency. I don't think that's always going to work out. So I did some calculations on our situation in Calgary. So our situation was we bought a home and instead of buying a home, had we just continued to rent and if I had just taken some of the money that went to the down payment, let's just say if I even took $50,000 and if I invested that $50,000 into the markets for the long term through some simple diversified ETFs, we would have been further ahead today, at least $75,000. I have a blog article that explains the numerical breakdown. Interestingly, that was written in May 2021. And interestingly, the markets in May 2021 were in fact at a pretty similar level to where they are today at the time of recording. Now, here's an idea. Instead of selling that home just six months after we moved into it, what if I had held on to the home? Because the truth is I came to the GTA and I rented for two years. So I did not have that much cash outflow. 
So I could have afforded to hold on to that home in Calgary. And the beauty about that house was it was a three plus one bedroom home. And then in the backyard below the detached garage, there was a separate nanny suite that had a full kitchenette, a full bathroom. There would have been two units. And so I've done the calculations on this. If we had held on to that house, let's say the average interest rate over time would have been about three and a half percent. Up until now, we would have paid off about $120,000 in principal. So that is building equity. And the costs to run that home would have totaled about $4,000. So with the two units, the rental income would have been at least that. So at the very worst, it would have been a cash flow neutral property, which in Canada is not such a bad thing. So the big lesson here is if you have uncertainty in your life, it may not make sense to buy a home. I believe that real estate is more a long-term investment. And looking back at our scenario, I think given that we had bought that house and we were renting in the GTA for at least a few number of years, we could have carried that home in Calgary and built some equity that way. Now, we've been talking about some of the costs of home ownership, and one cost that should not be overlooked is home insurance. So I got the renewal for our home insurance policy, and it was just mind-boggling. It was going to be $9,200 for the year. I almost threw up when I saw that. Now, we've been with a very good insurer. That is Chubb. They've insured our house. They've insured my car and SEMA's car, and they were amazing when I had my one fender bender in 2018 outside of Costco here in Woodbridge. They help me start to finish. We're so professional and courteous. So they're a great insurer, but just the opportunity cost of paying so much for home insurance, I couldn't do it anymore. So I shopped around. And so the new policy we now have is $6,000 less, total of $3,000 a year, much more reasonable. Now, one thing I've been talking to people in the industry, including friends in the industry. And so home insurance claims, they're not exactly keeping up with inflation. So if something happens to a house, God forbid, the costs may be a lot higher than originally anticipated. And so what we can probably expect in the coming years is our home insurance premiums could very well go up and they may go up at a steeper rate given how sticky inflation seems to be. So going forward, I encourage everybody just to be open-minded and shop around to get the best quote for you from a personal need perspective and also from a price perspective. Mistake number six, falling victim to scams. So I tend to be a pretty nice guy most of the time. And like everybody else, I tend to get at times busy. And sometimes when you're too busy, you get stressed. You're not thinking clearly. And therefore, I have fallen victim to a few scams. I know I'm being vulnerable here, but I want to put it out there so other people are aware and other people learn. Like you got to be critical about these things. So 2021, I was getting emails from somebody telling me it was time to renew my Norton antivirus software. And yes, I used to subscribe to this. I used to have a PC and I had this software. And so I fell victim to that. Fortunately, everything was okay. No money lost, no damage to my laptop. And more recently, I was getting text messages saying that nobody was at home to accept a delivery. Please arrange another time. I thought it was a true 188 number, Canada Post. There was a Canada Post logo attached, but then upon closer inspection, it was a 1808 number. That's the area code for Honolulu. Total scam if you see this. The lesson here is, guys, there's a lot of fraud in this technological age. Everything is done online. Be skeptical. I've been told I need to be more skeptical and more of an asshole going forward. So inspect all email signatures very carefully. Look at all area codes very carefully when you're being called. If you get called from somebody claiming to be from the CRA, ask for the agent ID and call them back. And then also change your passwords on a regular basis. 
I say this because I have fallen victim to pranks, and I also know somebody who recently was a victim of identity theft, and there was somebody claiming to be them at a major bank branch trying to take out a massive line of credit under their name. So that's enough for me for today. I'm so happy that you took the time to join me. I hope the information I provided here was useful. If you are enjoying the podcast, I would be truly grateful if you can share it with a few people in your network. I have had the true pleasure of speaking to a few physician groups uh, around the province about financial literacy. So if anyone is interested in organizing a talk, you can reach out to me at beyondmdpodcast at gmail.com. If anybody has topic suggestions, please reach out to me by that email address or connect with me on social media, especially LinkedIn. And I will see you very shortly for my financial mistakes and learnings part two. Until then, stay well, stay savvy.